Okay, so uh, as many of you probably saw the video or maybe didn't, but like I said, I'll go over the, the big stopping points on it. As Scott said in the video, uh, some of the benefits just generally about the Series LLC, we're setting aside the whole partnership aspect, which is a benefit, um, are its ability to scale at low cost, uh, basically almost no cost if you do it yourself in some areas, especially because no, the documentation, at least in Texas, can be internal. It doesn't have to be filed with the Secretary of State when you create a new child series. Um, and then you also have convenient maintenance with obviously a single registered agent, single filing every year annually or biannually, depending on where you're at, a uh, single bank account. And then the other benefits are the fact that, you know, it, right now 13 states allow the series LLC to be formed there, but you can use it in all 50 states. Uh, Scott also dispelled some common myths about it, uh, one of which was the use in other states aside from the states that are, it's formed in. Um, the length of its existence, the fact that there really isn't any negative precedent breaching those individual series LLCs, those compartments, and the fact that it uh, it can be anonymous just like a normal LLC could. Uh, he also described proper ways to hold various assets, whether they be soft assets like brokerage accounts, things of that nature, things that do not generate liability versus hard assets, things like vehicles, land, things that do generate liability that could hurt people. Um, and the way that that would be structured. And generally speaking, we would put the soft assets in the parent itself and then put the hard assets in an individual series. And obviously there is some fluidity there depending on certain things such as, you know, syndications. Some people, if they have a limited partner interest, they'll put it in the parent. Some people choose to separate that out into a child series. Uh, so that was kind of the gist of, of that 35 minute long video. Um, and then, so in reference to, Dealing with partnerships, again, for broad strokes, I'll just kind of set it out and then we can have a, a discussion after that. Um, so based on the way the series LLC is designed, how it's structured, and I'm speaking more or less uh, in terms of Texas, although all of them follow the same routine, but Texas is, is what I'm going to be speaking about specifically just because it's what we do 95% of the time. Um so they are technically independent for limited liability purposes. They are their own entity. Uh, they could have their own EIN if you chose to. Um, so because of that, uh, even though they're all under the same parent for maintenance costs, they can have different ownership. So theoretically, generally speaking, we don't do this for that many clients, but it does happen where clients will have, you know, series B, for instance, might be owned 50-50 with the client and a third-party partner. Series C could be different uh, configuration as well with possibly three partners or four partners. And then, you know, series A could be wholly owned by the client. So one of the benefits of the series is the ability to do that because each series, each independent child, each cell, whatever you want to call it, is its own entity. Um, the only complication that you come up with when adding in third-party partners like that would just be with taxes. But generally speaking, this can be handled by just a K-1 form uh, on your taxes. Um, and then ideally, I would say, although it doesn't always happen, normally a third-party partner would come in with their own asset protection, whether it be a trust or an LLC, um, and they would take ownership within that child series under that name instead of individually. So those are kind of the broad strokes, how it would work, how it can be formed. Yeah, a couple of quick questions. One, um, I more often than not have partners um, and different partners on different deals. Uh, and, uh, so if I create a, um, a series LLC, let's just say in, in, in Texas, uh, for me, you know, personally, 
Um, and then I have different series that have partners in them. Um, I mean, it was my understanding it, it usually flows up into the parent company. So mm -hmm. how does that how does that flow work? And and when you do have partners, I'm assuming then it's pretty much mandatory on that particular series to get an EIN and have its own tax return. Uh, I think it's suggested that that you get an EIN and how it would flow up is just basically it would be so generally speaking, the way that we create the series, as you're probably familiar with, we have an agent trust that owns the series itself to keep you anonymous. And so I, I probably oversimplified it a little bit when I was speaking about it. So how we would actually do it is if if it was the way that we typically structure it, you'd have the agent trust that owns the series LLC. The trustees of that agent trust would be the clients, the beneficiaries, that's where it would actually be split up. And so you'd have say, you know, 50% beneficiary would be Smith LLC parent, 50% beneficiary would be third party partner LLC. And that's how it would actually break up at that level. And what I was going to say is, doesn't have to be the the nice thing about the structure uh, that we create because there's so many levels. We have clients at every single level. So, for instance, we have clients who they have a 50% interest in a house. It's a obviously this works better if it's tenants in common, not joint tenancy. Um, their 50% interest went to the land trust owned by a series LLC, you know, and so on and so forth. The other 50% interest is owned by third party partner LLC or by third party partner themselves if they don't want to get asset protection. Now, you could also go one level up and you could add them as a beneficiary in the land trust if they wanted to be in your structure, but not in your structure. That would give them the anonymity provided by the nominee trustee, uh, but it wouldn't give them any asset protection unless they had their own you know, LLC or trust working for them. And then the level that we're talking about is one level up where the child series has them at the agent trust level. And obviously, I would basically never recommend that you add a third-party partner in at the parent level because then you're actually you're giving them the keys to the kingdom at that point where they are ingrained i mean unless it was like a very very close business partner um so there are multiple levels uh like i said it's kind of ancillary to this discussion but it's convenient to know i think no this this is very helpful jason um if you don't mind a follow-up question uh you know my limited understanding is that um, a series LLC uh, and structure can be extremely similar to a DST. Um, yeah, and yeah. So from California, yeah, that think, would be the preferable setup. Um, so can you also either now or later on the conversation talk about using partners with DSTs and, or is it basically the same structure, just substitute DST for all of them? Yeah. It, so, so that's the benefit of this conversation. I know we have Californians in here. Uh, it, it would work in form and function in a, in basically the same matter. The, the paperwork is slightly different, but not in a way that matters just because the child series DSTs are formed independently. There's no filing at the Secretary of State in Delaware. Only the parent is. Um, so it is still just a private document. It's very low cost to create another one. It's very low cost to add somebody onto it. Uh, so yeah, form and function, same, same process. Got it. Got it. Yeah. It's uh, meant to be kind of plug and play. Like we even have Cal non-Californians that have DSTs as well. So it's uh, the products are meant to be sort of interchangeable almost. I have follow-up questions, but I don't want to monopolize the whole time. So uh, I okay. may come back if uh, there's a lull in the conversation. Okay. Uh, so I, if I could, I'm just going to try to answer the text questions really quick and then we'll just open it back up. We're kind of doing a, a hybrid thing. Um, okay, so Gabby asked, does it matter what parent master LLC the joint venture series falls under? 
Um, so obviously it would be your own parent series LLC. I'm not really sure I understand the question. Maybe you could give me more context. Um, sure. So what, what I'm asking is that the, the person that I'm debuting with also mm -hmm. has a parent LLC. So, oh, yeah. 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 So uh, in that case, yeah. And we have had people that have done that before. So they would just list their parent as a 50%. Well, so yeah, it doesn't matter which one. No, you would just have to decide. So like, for instance, we had, yeah, we had two clients, one had a DST, one had a series, and they had to decide, well, which one do we want to have it under? And it was just kind of a matter of choice at that point. Good question. I'm sorry. I didn't understand it. From it, it okay. And would, it, would it matter um, for tax purposes? Both would need to file, right? One whoever it falls under so that they it falls under my, my my parent then i would need to give them um their llc a k1 yep, right exactly okay yeah, you're on the right Got track it. um katie asked how complicated a tax is k1 by doing a partner on the series so i'm not an accountant i'm forthright about that i'm not a tax attorney i'm a real estate attorney but uh, my understanding and from my experience of doing things that are similar to this personally as a real estate investor i do have a cpa obviously who does a lot of this is that it's not complicated at all. It's just an extra piece of paperwork and very straightforward and very simple. Most accountants can handle it. Um, does NG offer a series LLC? Not that I'm aware of. The 13 states that I'm aware of, I don't remember New Jersey being among them. The ones that we recommend are highly limited. If you watch the video with Scott, I think the ones that he recommended are Texas, Wyoming, Nevada, and Delaware. Uh, Delaware is kind of the OG of the group. It's the one where it started. Uh, Delaware is kind of at the forefront of all things business and cutting edge. Wyoming um, does a really good job at copying everybody that's very good. And so they're a little bit newer to the game. They're really good, very cheap. Texas is a really solid player, which is why we use them. They're uh, basically, if you do, depending on how you do the filings, it's free. Um, there's no franchise tax to do. Uh, and it offers the same charging order protection as Wyoming and Delaware. And then Nevada is also just a really solid one. The other ones, the outliers, I, I can't really even think of uh, more than a couple, Utah and Tennessee. We don't really do those that often. It would be one of those case-by-case -case basis. Like if you had properties exclusively in that state and you really wanted it for some reason and you wanted us to look into the laws, we could do it in one of those outliers. But generally speaking, just because the law are, is so business-friendly in those four states, we tend to stay with those. Um we typically set it up in Texas because it's a little less expensive. Yep, that's it. Uh, I think I probably addressed that in, in the conversation I just had. Yeah, sorry. DST is a Delaware statutory trust. You're right, Constance. I apologize. I do this all day, every day. And so I just use shortened uh, acronyms. But yes, Delaware statutory trust or DST. Uh, Pete will be doing it too. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Pete is our in-house accountant, in case none of you were aware of that. He's great, super knowledgeable guy. He's been on a few of these talks, I, I think, in the past. Uh, do child series share the parent series business credit score? So I think if you had your own EIN and you were doing like business under the child series, theoretically, it could have its own credit score. But from my understanding, it would be tied to whatever the EIN is. Like if the parent is the one that has the EIN and you're only using that, it would be tied to it. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, age, I, I, I mean, you can form that at any, at any time. So for instance, we have clients that have a parent and over the course of 10 years, they'll create 10 different children. So uh, they will have a different age, but they are tied back to the same, same child, uh, same parent as far as. 
it goes. Okay, I think, hold on, how do you provide anonymity and protection? Okay, that is uh, a bit outside the scope of what I want to um, get into with self-directed IRAs. I think that's a little bit off, off uh, the beaten path of what we're trying to do here. So. Okay, um, I'm ready to field questions on the fly again. Uh, I got my hand raised. I don't know if you can see it, Jason. I don't think, I, I think maybe Ken is in control of that part. I can't see anything like that. So yeah. I'm, oh. Yeah, go uh, ahead, well. Chris. Okay. Um, well, look, I'm an attorney, uh, but uh, I, I think we can have a little bit of uh, an answer to that last question about um, asset protection and SDIRA. Uh, I mean, your, your self-directed IRA or your 401k can own uh, an LLC. Um, so you could get some protection that way, but I think it's very state per, uh, specific because every state has its own protection of, of retirement accounts and some are just rock solid in terms of their protection. Um, California is big surprise is kind of an exception. A, a judge can rule how much he thinks or she thinks you need in retirement and the rest can go to a creditor. But, uh, I would first check to see how, uh, how good your state is at protecting a retirement account. Um, yeah, that's, my, my, that's accurate. Okay. That's, that's accurate uh, with my understanding, Chris, as well. Yeah, they've built-in protection. It's state-based. Right, right. Um, and also, there's a. I mean, if, if you've got a retirement account that's you know a company retirement that's not like a self-directed 401k or self-directed IRA, uh, you also have a risk of protection, which is a federal protection, which is just friggin' amazing. I mean, really, really amazing against bankruptcy, against creditors, against a lot of things. Um, that wasn't my question, uh, but uh, my, my question was more around um, a, a little more nuance, you know, and I think you might have answered earlier and I, I just kind of, I usually need to hear something twice, so I apologize. But assuming the series LLC uh, and you having partners, I, I just want to make sure I'm straight here is that, are you saying that you create a land trust for let's say a particular property and the beneficial interest of that land trust would be two let's say two entities one is a series of my llc and the other is uh whatever they want uh, my partner whether it's them personally which we offer no asset protection or their own llc whatever they want is that is yeah, that what so you're saying I, yeah so we don't have a diagram for this currently and it's because it doesn't come up that often but what i was saying is there are multiple options multiple levels so if you were to look at the diagram and you were to see like a, and exactly what you're saying you could, if you didn't want to include somebody in your LLC, your series LLC at all, or your DST for that matter, you could say, all right, well, I'm going to include you in the land trust just as a beneficiary. Uh, it's not going to cost me anything extra, but I'm not providing you with any protection. And if your third party partner has a, a good solid structure in place, that works out just fine. You don't have to include them at the parent uh, or at the child level uh, and include them kind of in your fold. That distances you and them a little bit more but it would also just give them the anonymity because we do see, we have had clients, like I said, where they transfer their half to a land trust, but then the other half is just kind of hanging out there with John Smith. And so, you know, you're getting the benefit, but your partner's just out there left hanging. So that is one level up uh, and, and it's one, uh, one level up from the house or the property, one level down from the child series. Interesting. Interesting. Does that make sense? I, I it does. It does. I'm, I'm a tad concerned if you've got leverage uh, and, um, you know, you put it in the, the land trust, you got to pull it out. And then 
you know, now you had this partnership, but now it doesn't because I'm assuming your leverage is probably not with the partners in mind, but, um, Hey, you know, nobody said that anonymity, uh, and tax efficiency was always easy. Sure. And quick question, whenever you're saying including them in the land trust with no protection, but then referencing their own structure, would it be adding them personally? Or if they had structure, would it be adding their LLC for either? Yeah, it could, it could be either. I would obviously advise against just adding them personally as a beneficiary because they're not going to get, they're not going to have any, they're going to have anonymity, but they won't have limited liability projection to just be them. So, but we have clients that, that, decide things on their own. And if that's the way that they want to go, and if the third party partner is not worried about it, then I think, you know, that as long as you're advised, I'm fine with moving forward with it. But yeah, you have to just be aware that they're not getting any protection. They're getting the benefit of a nominee trustee, but that's it. All right. So were there other levels? Were there, I think, because was that the first level? Were there other levels? Yeah. So we do have, like I said, we, we have clients that say title is in John Smith and Andrew Johnson. Well, John Smith decides to go with the Royal. He has his 50% in a land trust. Andrew Johnson is just on his own. That's first level. He's getting no protection, no anonymity. His half is out there. Then there's land trust, which we would add both of them to it. John Smith would have his series A. Andrew Johnson would just have his himself or possibly Andrew Johnson's LLC. And then we could go one level up. If Andrew Johnson didn't have an LLC and wanted protection, we would have series A would be half owned or whatever the percentages of ownership are with John Smith and John Smith's parent uh, series and Andrew Johnson, either his LLC or he himself as a beneficiary of that series a Jason, just for clarification, I'm getting the names mixed up here, but uh, yeah, sorry. I was trying Andrew, to keep it. No, no, but... no, no, no. It's, it's, I'm actually more teasing. I think it was Andrew Johnson who said uh, going bear uh, and you said no, uh, uh, no anonymity. But if there is a, uh, I mean, certainly wouldn't have any liability, but wouldn't he have some li- <laughs> anonymity considering you're using a land trust? And I assume you wouldn't list him as the trustee. Um, yeah. So we, I, I think his anonymity would be preserved, just his liability wouldn't. Yeah. What I was suggesting is I have seen it on title where the two tenants in common were one, Scott Royal Smith as trustee of the 123 Main Street Land Trust. And then Andrew Johnson didn't get, he was like a really far third-party partner and the client didn't want to include him at all. So it was 50% Scott Rose Smith is trustee of the land trust, 50% Andrew Johnson, just there, just like he's a, a tenant in common with the land trust. And that is possible and I have seen it before. And so he wouldn't have anonymity in that. That is if you decide to exclude this third-party partner entirely from the structure. So. Okay. I, I guess I'm really slow today. So you're saying they're like a tenants in common and that's how it's listed is like, there's a land trust 50% and him individually 50%. Yep. And that's yeah, how it's listed on title. Yep. Your share is alienable when you, when you have it as, as a tenant in common, which means that you can convey it to whoever you want. And yeah. So, or whatever you want. So got it. Thank you. Yeah. So hey. not, not ideal really, unless you just don't care about the third party partner at all. So but. Well, I would, they're hey. a partner. You don't want them sued. <laughs> Jason, could I go back and confirm what I think I heard you say um, that I we have a DST structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I could have a co-owner in one of the child series without having them participate in the parent. Exactly. Yeah. So they'd have limited. They, yeah, they wouldn't have control of your structure at all. They would have an ownership in one particular DST that you have. Yes. Thank you. Mm hmm. 